Welcome back, everybody. It is Monday morning. No, it's not. It's Monday afternoon. No, it's not. It's 27 days after the time I recorded this. No, it's not. I didn't even listen to this episode. When did when did this get broadcast? Anyway, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it doesn't really matter when it is, but here we are. And, um, you know, I don't know. Just the nonsense is flowing tonight. So uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. And you know what we're going to do that we don't do around here a lot? We're going to keep it 100. That's right. You heard me. A lot of times... I mean, how many, how much in life do you really keep it 100? I don't know. Everybody has a barometer for what actual true 100 is. And the jury is out. But I would, I would wager that people don't always keep it 100. I feel like even keeping it 100, um, a.k.a. keeping it a buck, I've heard, a.k.a. keeping it real, to, to a lesser extent, keeping it real and keeping it 100, keeping it real is definitely less. Um, if I say I'm, gonna, I'm keeping it real, I feel like you can really, uh, you can really fuzz what's real or not. But when you say you're keeping it 100, you are up to some scrutiny, I think. So, you know, what, we're, what I'm going to attempt to do is um, harken back to yesteryear and keep it 100. But um, if I am to keep it 100, there's this weird funky smell that is flowing into my apartment from the next door unit. And um, it smells like food. And it might just because it might just be because when food is cooked, it permeates the area. Food gets like a. Uh, what do you call it? it gets like an extra move in terms of physical science and if food is involved like if it's like x equation if over food slash like um greek letter and then in a parentheses with a divided symbol and then it would be like equals wall 0.5 x over 0.5 meaning that if food is involved then the power of walls is diminished 5 to the 5th power over 0.5 multiplied by itself which as anybody could tell you is a much more infinitesimal number than we started with which was a full wall to keep the smells of food out right so that's the kind of keeping it 100 stuff that we're going to try to get into on the show but we do have some suggestions if in case my nonsense that's pouring out of my mouth gets too stupid and we have to say sorry caps you're a fucking idiot nothing you're saying is funny or good or actually interesting to listen to it's time for a suggestion and that might happen too oh man but um if you're like in your car or like i don't know i don't know listening to this on headphones i don't know how people listen to or don't listen to this podcast but in any case just be glad that you're not live in studio and smelling funky food from another apartment away because that might be you know that might be also weird although imagine you were in like some type of restaurant right now and you were smelling equally funky food that would be a re- well, that would be what i would call um a coincidence if anyone is experiencing 
coincidental food smells at this very moment somehow through the ether, through the wire. Stinky food through the wire. That's a great song, though, right? Can we agree that like one of the reasons probably society kept Kanye West around is because he also made that great song? That's a great song. And really, when you've made a song that great, does it matter what else you do in your life? You kind of got a Michael Jackson get out of jail free card. So, you know, it's just something to consider. It's just something to consider. Like, does what you're making rock hard enough I don't know. Like, I don't even think, what did Kanye ever really do that was that bad in society? He made a bunch of music that people liked, and then he was a kind of wild guy in terms of the shit he says. Who cares, dude? I'm about who cares about that shit. Is that all right? (laughs) You know, is that all right with being like, hey, who cares about that shit? Whatever happened to who cares about that shit? I think we, if we're keeping it 100, we could use a lot more who cares about that shit around here. I think that people should just, if life is as hard as it is, then we should be not caring about the stupid shit that, like, is not literally stabbing us in the face. Like, if there was a guy, if every time I went outside and there was a guy literally outside my window being like, I'm about to stab you in the face and I had to run to my car, then I would hope that I wasn't, didn't get in my car and immediately be like, hey, what did that guy say on the internet that I wasn't there for? You know? Because I would be worried about that guy who was just outside my window wants to scare me stab me in the face but also looking on my phone to see what happened to that very same situation so you know it might be one of those situations where i gotta look for a suggestion from the audience because you know listen i'm under i'm under duress because of the the funky smell as i mentioned um anyways i do have some suggestions and Let me see. I did screenshot them. That's my thing. When I put the suggestion list up on Instagram, then I just screenshot what people have said. And then I'm like, cool. I'm done with that. All right. Now we have some suggestions and let's just get back into it. Um, I'm going to say the one suggestion from Split Batten Carpentry. And he, he questions art with a question mark. That's the suggestion. Art and split batten carpentry. I hear you loud and clear. Like that is, let's just say it. Let's say, let's say art. That's that's a great suggestion. The thing about art is, um, you know, on one hand, it it gives life to the imaginative imaginative spirit of man, and lives within every small thing. Every design and creation and and plastic object that is to eventually be thrown away into a landfill often is also the subject of design and art like even down to the pens the design of toys the design of like lenses or phones or stuffed small stuffed animals or keychains everything is designed and even in that smallest aspect of interaction with the human uh, experience, there can or cannot be, depending on the object, some art, capital art, capital A art, um, involved in its creation. So on one hand, art is all around us all the time. And 
uh, like the things that are real now were once imaginations of earlier people to us. Like we carry the the fact of like um, putting something down in a book for someone to like build or see later or even recording a song where you might die, the people who heard it for the first time would die, but yet the music itself lives on and gives imagination to other people in the future. Um, we are um, a long unfolding of that process as a species, um, a species that was like given the fucking computer processor to, I don't know, understand the rep- the repeating patterns of a human existence in medium. Okay, so that's on the on the on the small scale art, right? But then it's like the pursuit of art as a person, as a person at one point that, um, let's say the um, Pied Piper song, siren song of art, has captured a person, and now they want to, they want their life to, uh, uh, contribute to the long history of art making in some way because it is a mental salve for them but also it's like them against themselves like finding out in this in the same way that you'd watch like a a biopic about a a sports hero the self-pursuit or the self-perfection or exploration of a of an individual in pursuit of art um is you know a fulfillment of self that somebody could go to go go through as well, or conversely be defeated by, and that's probably the better story because um, one thing about uh, that pursuit of art is that you jump into the the ocean of other artists at every other age and at every other like social strata and at every stupid global trend. And it's like you're in the you're in the wild, and you know, for one to believe in their own idea and make it um, and get it off the ground uh, is hard enough. But then to like, you know, whatever, be in the wrong place at the wrong time, not have the money to do it, realize that the um, the art itself may not translate into a like a type of fantasy success that may not even exist. Um, all the different, all the different un, uh, unravelings of a dream, because a dream is like, um, it's like the, it's like the, the objects that are around us all, all the time, and that we don't even realize that they have art in them as well. For instance, like we look through the world, we look at the world, and we just like sort of gloss over everything except the thing that is our um desire but then all the things that we see are part of our understanding of the world just like dreams like for instance we process like the kaleidoscope of our existence in um in our dreams even though when we wake up we're just like i have no idea what the fuck happened in my dream and also if we're keeping it 100 nobody really remembers what they ha- what happened in their dream and even if they write it down right after it just becomes like piecing together like a hallucination you weren't paying attention to because so you know dreams are just like i think they're totally gibberish they do contain pieces of your day but if you ever 
wrote them down. It's just like, how the hell are you supposed to really, really remember it? It's like you were there for it, but you were dreaming. So it's like, how do you describe half of all the feelings feeling like a cozy pillow? That's because when you think of the dream, you're like, oh, yeah. And then I was getting chased by a car and I had to duck th- duck into an alleyway. And you think, oh, what did that feel like? Well, it felt like my face was being smushed into a del- into a delicious pillow. And, th- and I could have continued that dream forever, sleeping forever. But I also think that it is it is nice to oversleep sometimes. My body won't let me oversleep that much anymore, but I do wish that I could one day fall into like a deep, crazy slumber that would last for a really long time, but I wouldn't want to get up. Um, I mean, I would get up eventually, but I would really, really oversleep that day. That's my dream. All right, cool. So that's about what. And did I have another point about art? That that last part didn't really have anything to do with art, but it was just a stupid tangent about dreams. And I apologize for that. But the other thing that I want to say about art is that I think contemporary art is total bullshit, and it's the most scammy thing of all time. And I hate it. So that's how I feel about that. All right. Next suggestion. Next suggestion. Uh, there's a, a bunch of suggestions come from Richie Rich. And let me just give Richie Rich, thank you. Thank you so much for staying with the show, even though I did not hang out with you in L.A. I consider that I'm so glad. I was afraid that like that was no matter what, one way or the other, it would have come off like, oh, this person's mad at me because I didn't uh, stop to hang out with them. But um, I'm glad that that's not the case. So uh, thank you. And here are your suggestions. Okay. So so Richie Rich says, for one thing, he says, are birds real? And yes, birds are real. We're just going to, um, I'm, you know, I know it is weird to think that they are real because they fly and you can't fly except if you use a plane. And when you have to use a plane, you have to use like an entire gas station's worth of gas every time you even, like every minute of the plane ride. But yet a bird can fly with literally no gas at all. And liter- and he- and a bird can fly just by eating a day-old pizza on a boardwalk and then fly. So I agree. It sometimes makes you think, are they real? Okay, Richie Rich also asks, what is my favorite animal? And... My favorite animal is the arapaima, which is a fish from South America, from the Amazon River. And I actually did an episode uh, in the second season of Grading Animals about the arapaima. And um, at the time, and I think it might still be, but I'm not sure, but it might be the episode with the most likes. Um I don't know if I don't know. It it's one it's up there. It was for a while. And the weird thing was is like I didn't tell anybody that the arapaima was my favorite fish, but maybe maybe my love for the arapaima um somehow cosmically carried it onto the most likes shore, you know? You never know how these things work, but uh, I like to think that it was um that the positive energy I had about the arapaima in that episode brought it brought it home. But what do you guys think? Do you did you guys watch the arapaima episode? 
now that episode's two, like two, almost two years old. I did that episode in the summer of 2020. Um, yeah, you know, it's wild. I kind of miss uh, having all that time to do episodes. It's almost, um, it's sad a little bit. I miss, the one thing that I do miss about the pandemic, uh, about lockdown and not being able to do anything at all, was I just had this awesome pocket of time to really indulge in my fantasy of grading animals. And I'm really glad that I got to make it because, I don't know, now it's like I'm working and stuff and it's not as easy to get that time. I'm so glad like I took advantage of it when I had it. So, uh, the Arapaima. That's uh, my that's my favorite uh, animal. And is it my favorite episode? No. It's not my favorite episode. Although I haven't gone back and watched those old ones for a while and I got I feel like they're probably good. I'm I'm just not um they're not in my imagination right now. Anyway, Richie Rich has some more suggestions and thank God because I didn't get a lot of suggestions this week. But he's um you know carrying the show along. So let's find out what he says. He goes Bigfoot versus Yeti. So Bigfoot versus Yeti. Bigfoot being like um like if a grizzly bear was a person and Yeti being like if a polar bear was a person. So do I like polar bear man versus grizzly bear man? Hmm. I definitely would like to see them fight. I almost feel like they could be um, oppositional villains in some type of cool show about the Northwest where the, not the North, yeah, like the Northwest where like both Yeti and Bigfoot are alive, but they're kind of like side character helper heroes and um, they fight each other. So like Game of Thrones style, you know, um, the Yeti lives past the wall and he's friends with all of those caveman style Game of Thrones guys. And whereas Bigfoot is friends with Hodor and the kid who is who can like roll his eyes back in his head and he sits in a wheelchair the whole time. And then like uh, so the Bigfoot guy is friends with them. Like I feel like Game of Thrones could have easily integrated Bigfoot versus Yeti in this paradigm and it would have given nobody any problems. In fact, it might have saved the later seasons because they would have felt like, all right, they're closing it off with an Ewok situation, which is cool because the, the Yeti is also not the Yeti. Both the Yeti and Bigfoot would have to adopt some type of quasi Chewbacca vibes so that the the Yeti would be like, I don't know, like a like a more like Wolverine style. Um, what do you call it? a Wolverine style Chewbacca? Yeah, I guess Wolverine also can be blended into the mix of what Yeti and Bigfoot characters are going to be like. Um, also, I think that Bigfoot should be exactly like Harry and the Hendersons style. Whatever happened to that? Harry and the Hendersons was one of the best um, versions of Bigfoot on the screen, and they just never followed through with that. I, I don't even know why. I don't know why Bigfoots aren't more represented in Hollywood. Uh, it does seem fucking ridiculous. So um, I'm also going to copyright this idea, Bigfoot versus Yeti. Um, I guess, <laughs> I guess, Richie Rich. No, we'll go into business together. That'll be our show. Let's pitch, let's both pig, pitch 
Bigfoot vs. Yeti as a show in the way I just described, which would be a ripoff of Game of Thrones, but with a Bigfoot and Yeti. Same exact story as Game of Thrones, only in the scenes with the White Walker, there'd also be a Yeti. And in the scenes with um, Hodor, that kid in the wheelchair... And whoever those other kids were, I don't know. That was like a side show. That was like a show within a show. Like those little rascals who were running around in the middle of the, what the fuck was going on with that part. But anyway, in my version, Harry from the Hendersons is also hanging out with them. And I'm going to say kind of explaining that part to the audience. So that's what I think. Um, that's the show we're going to pitch together. Um, we'll call it Bigfoot vs. Yet which was the actual suggestion that Richie Rich suggested. He said Bigfoot versus Yet. And I assumed that it was Bigfoot versus Yeti. Anyway, thank you so much, Richie Rich. And he asked me if I knew that if there was Bigfoot erotica. And hell yeah, I'm just going to say that's the script for the next episode of our show. Okay. Then Richie Rich goes, I should make memes. And I just want to stop this for a second and be like, Guys, do you see how Richie Rich suggests like 10 things in a row? Everybody else, step your game up. Like, how the hell am I supposed to do this podcast if nobody's suggesting like 15 things in a row? Um, Like, yes, I will try to take an hour with each of your suggestions, but I need to have some suggestive fodder, you know, like Richie Rich is doing right here. So um, I actually think it's because whenever I put something, whenever I share a... um like a meme on on stories, everybody sees it. Well, not everybody, but like 1% of people see it. But then when I put something um, of my original stuff, like asking, begging people to give me suggestions for this very podcast, it always, um, it always gets 1,000th of a percent. And I'm pretty miffed about that because I would really like it to get back up into the 1% numbers. Um, anyways, so Richie Rich, thanks. I'm glad that uh, this, uh, the, those, those story posts cut through the void and you were able to, um, to suggest all these suggestions for me for this episode. So he said that, um, that I should make memes. And you know what? I don't know. I don't think that's the a good use of my of my time just to make memes. I, why not be like everybody else on the internet and steal memes? That's what I think. Um and then Richie Rich asks uh caps, do I ever feel like not talking to anybody? Um and yeah, hold on a second. I'm going to put on this music first. Richie Rich you know, it was getting to be that time of the episode where I used this song. But I'm glad I can talk about this problem that we've been having about feeling like not talking to anybody. Um, yeah, sometimes you don't feel like talking to anybody. But you got to think. Maybe one person. Maybe you could just at least tell one person. You know, just find, find the one person. Because, you know, in life... You probably don't have a lot, a lot of people to tell or to talk to, but at least you have one person to talk to. If you do have one person to talk to, then you should talk to that person. They're probably happy to hear from you and happy to talk to you. 
And um, I think sometimes one's all you need. So, yes, but of course, sometimes we don't want to talk to anybody. Um, but eventually, we should talk to somebody. Um, it's always good to talk to somebody. You don't want to be a blabber, a blabbermouth, and just constantly talk their ear off. That's why it's good to have two people. In case the person you usually talk to is already getting a little sick of your bullshit, and you need that second person to unload what you usually bring to the first person. That, now, now we're talking, all right? Okay. So then um, the Richie Rich expands that conversation. He goes, would I consider myself to stick to a small group of people or rather than go out to meet new people because they probably suck? And And the thing about this one is I don't necessarily agree with that last part. They probably suck. I mean, sometimes... I'd say yes. In general, if we were to like take all the people in the world, like you're probably only going to get along with like one percent of them. But then the people of of those people, the people that you're really, really, really going to get along with, is maybe like one thousandth of a percent of those people. So again, those are the ones that you're probably going to going to meet eye to eye on, and it's not because you're. Um, being a snob it's just that like we're all unique to our i don't know like just the nitty gritties you see we have gener- generalities that connect us but then we have nitty gritties that separate us and that's why you know if you think about everything about humans it's all about the nitty grittiness it's like you don't just have cereal in the morning. You have a particular cereal. You have like a Honey Nut Cheerios or like a Cookie Crisp or like a Fruit Loops or some other baby style just purely injecting sugar right into your veins first thing in the morning type of cereal. Or you have oatmeal or like a bowl of fruits or like mushed up peanut butter slime or whatever you eat in the morning kelp who knows but what i'm trying to say is it's specific it's specific to the individual it's not just something boring it's not just something general that's what i'm saying humans are very specific and if you multiply the specificity to every feature and facet of life it's no wonder there's 80 million apps with 30 trillion pieces of different content on all of them, and still people are like, I don't even like anything that that I'm seeing. We're really nitty-gritty, specialized snobs, right? That's uh, At the core of that, it's like, bring me something new, right? So that's why, Richie Rich, it's hard to connect with people sometimes. But then it's like, you got to like not be so specific. You got to like relax, take a deep breath and say, who gives a shit about all of that, all that nitty grittiness? Why don't I just vibe out and, you know, and remember that the best days on Instagram stories is when uh, is when it shows your stuff to one percent of the people. And the shittier days are when they show it to one thousandth of a percent. All right. So you know what? That's my fault for go for being corny on that one. But also, it's like 
you know, I was trying to do something good for Richie Rich because he he gave me like 18 suggestions in a row. And, you know, we're, you know, we're all as a collective trying to make sure that nobody on the show is feeling alone. You know what I mean? Um, So anyways, we have more suggestions. Thank you, by the way. Thank you, Richie Rich, for all your suggestions. It's now almost a half an hour into the show and we couldn't have gotten here without you. But we have some more suggestions. Um, Cats are superior to you. Also, friend of the show, member of the Patreon, and really um, someone who's really held it down for grading animals. Thank you so much. And she goes, would I rather live in a parking garage or under a bridge? Yeah. You know what? Thank you. You know what? Damn. Faced with the 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 worst of two evils the the a real dilemma am I, i'm i'm losing my apartment and i got to either move to under the bridge or just rent a unit in a parking garage and see if i could sneak there and sleep in the car at night um under the bridge is definitely my my second choice i don't want to just straight up live under the bridge i feel like if i commit to that life it's going gonna, it's gonna to end badly. But on the other hand, how many weeks do I have left in the parking garage before I run out of money and, like, you know, stomp on all my relationships there and eventually am forced under the bridge where I will die of a fentanyl overdose? But, you know, that reality is not going to happen because, thankfully, I'm employed now. You know, I have... Um, I have a job. I have two jobs. Uh, I'm able to pay for everything. Um, yeah, I'm feeling positive. I'm feeling positive about life and about the future. Uh, big thanks to Sterable Festival for which really was like um, not not a wake up call, but uh, you know, with all the with all the needless depression that I felt this year, and then have and then going to a thing where I was like, oh. The world is telling me that I'm not horrible, you know? That was, it was just weird. It's just weird, and especially even, like, the outpouring of love from the fans of Grading Animals in leading up to that, uh, that helped me. That was like, I don't know. It's like as if one creation in life, this thing that I made, helped out with another part of life that I was going through, which was, like, I don't know, feeling kind of hopeless. And um, I think the pandemic definitely contributed to that. But you know what? I'm, I'm fixed now and I have a job and I'm not going to live in a parking garage or under a bridge. So thank you, Grading Animals fans. And as well, thank you, Cats are Superior to you for bringing up that, you know, that tough choice that I think that you know, I decided that I would definitely rather first start off at least in the parking garage before living under the bridge. Um, you know that song by Nirvana, Underneath the Bridge? Where Remember that song, Under the Bridge by Nirvana? <laughs> you know, it was like... Um, like, under the bridge on top is where I drew some blood... <laughs> That would be cool if that was actually Nirvana's song. What if it was a Berenstein Bears situation where some young kids showed that to you and it was Nirvana and they were singing Under the Bridge 
and they were like, yeah, this is the song that came out in the 90s. And you're like, no, that didn't happen that way. Nope, that's not it. But then you go back to look and everything, all history says that Red Hot Chili Peppers came out with Nevermind and Nirvana came out with Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Imagine that. That would be... And then like it's like your whole memory of life, it turned out that you actually have been in a mental institution your whole life and you do not have a shred of understanding of how the world works and you kept it under wraps until now. But now the entire world knows that the way you perceived history and the way history actually went down is your own walking hallucination. And then you're captured and you're put in a Philip K. Dick-style upsy-down town world where you never escape from. The end of movie. And Richie Rich, that one's mine. That one is mine. Is Oh, actually, no. Cats are superior to you. We're going to... Uh, that's the movie we're going to make. It's going to be... That one is maybe a little bit better than the, one, than the one that I made with Richie Rich because that one is just a ripoff of Game of Thrones. But this one is actually a good concept, I think. So... Again, thank you so much. And then, okay, so now this was not planned this way, but the next, <laughs> the next suggestion comes from Verdan Cho, who asks me, um, should we be eating fish? Do they have any feelings? Um, or do they need therapy for their feelings? I don't... I don't, she had, like, um, Catch a Superior to You and Verdan Show don't know each other. They're two separate suggestions. But, of course, Verdan Show is thinking of the song by the Red Hot uh, Chili Peppers where it goes, Should we be eating fish? Do they have any feelings? Do we need therapy for their feelings? That was my impression of, um, of, uh, of the Red Hot Chili Peppers singing, um, should we be eating? Fi- ah, damn! Wow, <sighs> that was embarrassing. I feel I feel embarrassed for myself, but I also feel like I do remember uh, Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Pepper say- asking if fish have any feelings. <clears throat> damn! I feel like bailing on this bit, but at the same time, you know, you got to think like I'm alone in my room doing this. So not in my room, my apartment. I don't. I'm in my. I have two rooms. I have one room where like I do video stuff. <sighs> Damn, sorry guys. I really that that you know what? I think it's I think it's still a good bit. Ver, Verdan show you deserve th- uh, me to finish this. But well, anyway, what I was saying that the idea of that part was that in the last bit where uh, Nirvana um, came up with blood sugar sex magic, then Red Hot Chili Peppers would have had to come up with. Nevermind. And the twelfth song on Nevermind has a song like Underneath the Bridge and the Sanimals I've trapped have all become my friends. And then he goes fish because they don't have any feelings. But what I was doing is what if Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers had made that song? Because in my fantasy, the Red Hot Chili Peppers had made Nevermind. You see, this is the problem when you do the podcast alone because there's no one to like either immediately yes and the idea or immediately shut the idea down. So then you just have to like imagine that the audience gets it and just keep going. And um, anyways, 
I don't know. Let me know if you like the idea of a delusional dystopian movie where a guy refers to Nirvana's Nevermind and Red Hot Chili Peppers' Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and then the entire world goes, no, it was actually Red Hot Chili Peppers that came out with Nevermind and the Red Hot Chili Peppers who came up with Nevermind. (laughs) And Nirvana who came up with Blood Sugar Sex Magic. And then the guy gets put into a dystopian, I don't know, Philip K. Dick hole. All right, next suggestion. Next suggestion is from King Mexico, and he asks, what's a good read? Well, I'll tell you something. I usually tell everybody to read Overstory, and I stand by that. But Overstory is not the only book I ever read, so I'm going to go into some books that I've been that I enjoy, and this will be for anybody who's looking for um looking for a book to read. Okay, so check out how, how do we have I ever talked about how much I love Jack London, and I know that's a real baby, that's a real baby choice, but I just saw the movie of the book The Sea Wolf, which I de- which I read years ago. And, um, you know, I don't know if anybody saw my episode on of Grading Animals called The Wolf, but a lot of people like that episode. I also love that episode. I would say it's one of my favorite episodes I ever made. But I don't know if you know that Jack London one time wrote two books, one called White Fang and one called um, The Call of the Wild. And those books are pretty cool because they're about a one is about a domesticated dog that hears the call of the wild and goes with the wolves, and one is about a wolf who is eventually domesticated into a dog. And as you know, I'm really into animals and shit. So Jack London is one of those people who has taken animal nature and human nature and compared them in a creative way for literature and i love his work in his book the sea wolf it's about it's about this this um this writer who comes from like somewhat upper class and this um woman who is actually a like a crim- a career criminal and another uh career a uh, career criminal and they all end up on this ship they get shipwrecked and they end up on this ship called the ghost and there's this uh captain and this captain is himself like a wild animal in that he doesn't live in society's world he lives on this on the ocean and he's kind of like his whole crew are criminals and he rules them in a almost like not totalitarian, but more like as if it's the wild. It's like he'll he'll do anything to survive at any point. But uh, anyway, so Jack London is comparing um, like a genteel lifestyle through the author's character and this outlaw lifestyle. And he's comparing how like animal and human... Uh, like the implications of animal behavior, like dog eat dog and survival of the fittest and, um, you know, uh, 
sort of like subterfuge and the human side because this captain is also like well read and the uh, author, the character who's an author finds out about this and they have something to talk about and he like proposes sort of like philosophical conundrums. Anyway, that book is a really good book, The Seawolf. And I just saw the movie because it was on uh, the Criterion channel, which is a, a channel, it's an app that I actually subscribe to, the Criterion channel, and it has a lot of good movies. And who knows, one day maybe I'll become Criterion Caps. And um, that might not be such a bad thing. Criterion Caps, imagine it. Um, I, instead of talking just straight up nonsense for an hour, I talk straight up nonsense about movies on the Criterion channel. Let me know what you think about that idea. Well, in any case, um, regarding books, that's not the only book I'll recommend. So I will recommend The Seawolf by Jack London. But let me recommend another book that is not by Jack London, but is a more contemporary literature. Um, I'm going to recommend All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. Now, that book has come out probably, I don't know, now, almost eight years ago, but it's really good. It's about this blind French girl who is living in France during World War II, and this kid who's like a, a genius with radios, and he's also living, he was living in Germany. And so what happens is he was like a kid, and he has to go join the Hitler Youth, of course, because it's like fucking World War II, but he's just an innocent kid. Uh, and then she is this blind girl whose father is trying to help get out of, um, get out of, you know, France before like they get bombed to death. And it's a fucking cool adventure where they both are communicating with each other. And there's this really cool thing because the father of the girl has this like cool like uh, radio. And the, the book's title, All the Light We Cannot See, is about radio waves. And it's about how stories and things are transmitted over the radio waves and the way that these radio waves can reach people across the void. It's a really amazing book. Um, it's also filled with adventure. Uh, it's excellent. All the light we cannot see. So King Mexico, who, by the way, shout out friend of the show, King Mexico. Thank you so much. Always a great supporter of the show. And check out his podcast, uh, King Mexico. Uh, check it out. And... Um, Yes, but that those are two books I would recommend. Okay, we got some more suggestions. And one suggestion, we had a couple suggestions fr from Iberman. Uh, shout out, Iberman. You know what? It's our podcast and we can hit an applause button just to celebrate everybody who stops their day and gives me a suggestion for the show. Best TV slash movie moms. That's an interesting question. Let's meditate on the movie moms we have known. One movie mom that I always think of is the movie mom from Breaking Bad, Skyler. Remember Skyler? That's a movie mom I won't soon forget. Because in the beginning, I was always always like, 
Fuck you, Skyler. How come you're not down with all this cool shit Walter White's doing? But then I was like, oh, man, you know what, Skyler? You go, girl. I was like, damn, Skyler, I, I understand why you're being like this, but unfortunately, I'm team Walter White, and, you know, I'm really sorry also that you that you have to go through this. But, you know, at the same time, it is, you got to admit, pretty cool how um, Walter White really turned himself around. He was really on the ropes there before the show started, didn't know what was going to happen with him, but now, finally... He's fucking awesome. That's really what I came away from Game of Thrones with. I was like, what's Game of Thrones about? Every time everyone asks me, I'm always like, it's about this fucking awesome dude who like completely rules his life. And like he starts out as this corny loser. Basically, he if you want to know his backstory, he used to be married to this total bitch. And he used to have these two kids. One was such a nerd that every time his show started, a They Might Be Giants song came on me, and he got clowned every day of his life. He fucking got straight up clowned by his entire family. His wife made him look like such an idiot. And then he goes to get married to Skylar. And, you know, he even, he even has a kid with cerebral palsy, and that the, the kid gets made fun of at school, and he can't even do anything about it because he's such a pussy. But then, one day, he luckily, accidentally makes methamphetamines and sells it around town so that these gangsters come to his house and he straight up kills both of them. He actually kills both of them in his basement like a fucking murderer. And let me say, from, the, from that day, his, his life really turned around and he became the coolest guy in 20 years he became a fucking hero to everyone and just made awesome decisions every time he was presented with a challenge he rose above and did whatever the most awesome possible thing you could do in that moment and he kept doing that for like a series of five years you definitely have to see the show Breaking Bad. So that's my favorite um, TV or movie mom from the last 10 years. Now, going back, um, you know what's a good movie? You know what's a good movie mom? Is the movie mom from The Terminator. Do you remember the girl from The Terminator? I'm not sure what happened in The Terminator, so let me try to remember it. If I remember correctly, the girl named Sarah Connor, there is a guy who gets sent back in time and they bang, right? So then she also is like, he is like, I actually am from the future. I'm your son's friend. And you have to make sure I came back here to fuck you. I tried to fuck you good. Like, that was my goal. I wanted to make it really good, but... Just to let you know, you are getting punked by your son right now because he's from the future and he's like, I know my mom is super lonely and it would be funny if you went back in time and just fucked my mom when she was super hot and have me. I'll be your son. <laughs> he's like, and check it out, dude. I'll be your son. You just have to remind your, you just have to remind mom to, 
to go back and taunt to like that that there's going to be robots in the future that's going to try to kill everybody and that you have to like I have to be born because I have to tell the world to change. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and I, you know what the crazy thing is is like how weird it would have been <laughs> how weird it would have been for the guy who had to go back in time hearing this. Well, I guess they were friends. I don't actually know how the movie Terminator's logic worked, but I was going to say that Sarah Connor is also a good TV mom. Because if you remember in um in Terminator 2, she was completely badass and let me try to remember it again. She Yeah, I don't remember exactly what the fuck happened cuz then then she was older. I don't know exactly. I'm pretty sure also that Terminator uh and, um what the fuck is his name? Andrew Schwarzenegger is not the guy who fucked her, though. <laughs> he was the guy who was trying to kill her. <laughs> yeah, dude, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I think I'm getting the story mixed up, to be honest. To be honest, I don't actually know the story of the Terminator. So I'm just going to stick with Skylar as being the best TV mom. And um, Iberman also goes the mob. He asks the mob. Just curious about it. So, you know, I don't know anything about The Mob, really, except for Martin Scorsese movies. Um, When I was younger, uh, I was, like, afraid that The Mob was going to come and get me. I was terrified. Uh, You know, I just, like, always heard about them, like, always going around, you know, snatching up children, like, trying to get revenge. If you, like, I don't know, like, if you're making money, then they would come to your job and try to, like, shake you down. I don't know. Like, I was always just afraid. But then, uh, a few years ago, Martin Scorsese made the movie called The Irishman, and I don't know. He said that like the last, the last mob guy finally got caught for doing, um, killing JFK and killing uh, Jimmy Hoffa, and those were like crimes that people really were upset about. To be honest, people were actually not happy about. Martin, um, no, <laughs> the mob didn't kill Martin Luther King that we know of, but <laughs> but I wouldn't put it past them. They would have done that too. They're very racist. If you ever watch Martin Scorsese movies, they're definitely they have well, at least they have potty mouths. I don't know how they feel on an individual basis, but they definitely use rhetoric that sounds racist. But they do kill everybody. I mean, they're really that's why I was afraid of them because I was afraid like what happens if I become like not that I was going into politics as a child, but what if I was like a political figure. Or if I ever like tried to like do a speech in front of a lot of people, and then somehow they would ha- they would kill me, but then pin it on like some you know shooter in a bush or something like that, or shooter in a fucking t- clock tower or some crazy shit. Like I don't know why people always got fooled back in the '60s that like everything was happening in inside of bushes or or um, clock towers. Since when? Since when is a clock tower where you expect to get shot from? You know. But then, like, 1960s, like, everybody's getting blasted outside of a clock tower or, like, on sort of a knoll, a grassy knoll. That's where you would go to do your business? Sounds sounds pretty wild, man. <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. I, should I... What do you guys think? Do you guys like these half-hearted voices that I, that I throw in every once in a while? Um, let me know. But let me know in the comments. Okay. So are there any suggestions? Oh, I think there's one more suggestion. Uh, there's one suggestion from 
Fuertunes? Yes, Fuertunes has a suggestion. This will be the last suggestion of the day. Also, shout out Fuertones. Fuertones, great friend of the show and also Patreon member and also lifelong friend. What a what a great supporter of my my creativity. I really appreciate him. Anyway, uh Fuertones asks about childhood vacations. And thankfully I do remember many many childhood vo- vacations. So I remember my earliest childhood vacations when my parents were very young, probably if not still in their 20s, then just in their 30s, like young. But we used to have, we always had a van in my family. And the first van we ever had was this brown and tan Ford Econoline van. And I had to be like three or four. And we took it all the way down to Key West in Florida. Uh, in and it had to have been like 1982 or 1983. Had to have been, and it was not. I was too young to even know, but it was definitely. It was not air conditioned. It was like literally an empty, like an empty Econoline van. Um, you know, two seats and probably like a little small seat. Probably like a little small seat that wouldn't have even been allowed to travel now with kids that young but um you know my family it was a different time i mean people went on vacations the whole entire world went on vacations in in cars like that and all different types of stuff people have been traveling with their families for years and they did it safe um so in any case uh yeah we went down to key west and i remember and you know part of my memory is from old home videos of this time you know you don't necessarily remember every single moment of your early childhood, but then you know the person you were. Like, I remember seeing this very video of this thing I'm remembering when I was four and thinking, or when I was five and thinking, well, I don't remember that at the moment, but I imagine, I can imagine myself there because it was only two years ago or something like that. But we went to a dolphin show. Um, We went to one of those like shows where, um, you know, it's like sort of like a theater in the round and there's dolphins and a trainer and they're talking to the audience. And um, in the video, I'm crying. But in my mind, I was like, I love dolphins. This is awesome. I'm so glad that I got to be there. (laughs) And um, I remember being into whales um, at a very young age. I wonder, I would hope that kids are still into animals. You know, it's it's weird. Like, I, my whole life has been, um, you know, if I think of uh, even when I was in a band and, like, I had a song called The Aquarium Song, and, like, that was even trying to involve my weird uh, feeling about nature and blend it in with, like, the way I experienced life. So I just think like that early, that early vacation, um, you know, it's just interesting that these, these things that have always like recurred in my life, um, 
are there in the in the earliest memories. In any case, another childhood vacation I remember. We often went to Florida and we all often drove. Um like I remember going to Florida years later when I was 8 and we we went in a um um a Mercury Grand Marquis. My parents had a Mercury Grand Marquis and our cousins uh, we're, we're driving along with us. So we all were car- caravaned there and we would stop um, in the middle of the night at rest stops and, and my parents would get coffee and we'd get snacks and we'd be up all night like driving to the place in the car. And um, it was a pure adventure. I mean, th- there's nothing so, there's nothing even more like, um, uh, I don't know. For a kid whose world is small, something like that is beyond because you're going into another state. Like you're you're so little and the world is so big and your access to things is really out of your control that like traveling at that scale and even being able to just like sit and stay up all night and like every like all the rules are 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 off because a new thing is happening. It's tremendous. I loved, I loved going on those trips. Um, we we used to go to this, this very modest. Um, I wouldn't even call it a resort. It's more like condos. It's more like Florida condos, um, called, um, the Ocean Gallery in Saint Augustine, um, Florida, really at the top, and it was so cool. It was these little nice little um sort of like cottages and they had a kitchen and they had like you know a deck no they didn't they didn't even have a deck they just had like sort of a sliding door and then it was like a patio and then you would go into the house and it had a um and there were frogs there were always little frogs in the grass and they, you could you could like catch catch them and like follow them they were so cool there were garter snakes that would scare the shit out of my mom um, you know, and I think like we went to see alligators and stuff like that. It was fantastic. I loved those trips. Yeah. So those are a couple of, um, childhood memories of driving with my family. And and then of course, when my sister was born, I think we did it a few more times, but at that time, by that time I was getting older and my dad didn't have the energy to drive like that anymore. Ah, uh, you know, it's it, you know, it's good to think about your life and to think like there were good times, you know? It's like sometimes just um just putting a few memories out like that that have uh equally resonant value can um anchor yourself into your own history and be like, "Man, I am so gl- I'm so glad that I got to be I got to be there for all of those things, you know? And it's like in 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 the world like we are often like um we often think of our worth by what we've accomplished. But like equally what we've gotten to experience also defines our worth if we can look back and feel happy about those things. Um and hopefully you do. Anyways, that's my philosophical ending to the show. Thank you so much for being a part of 
this episode of The World According to Jcaps.